Let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 7. There we find God's word summarized as follows. Are all men then saved by Christ just as they perish through Adam? No. Only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it's a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. What are these articles? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe a holy Catholic Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. After the sermon, we will respond by singing from Psalm 118, the stanzas 1 and 8. Bluff congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and includes you children as well. I want to begin by asking the children of this congregation a question. Suppose your parents give you $1,000. That's a lot of money. And they put you before a choice. They tell you that you can either spend all that money now or you can wait until you're much older. Those are the only two choices that you have. You cannot spend a little bit now and save the rest for later. No, you either spend it all now or you save it all for later. If you spent that money now, then you can buy candies with it, you can buy toys with it and all kinds of other nice things. Perhaps even a brand new bike that you've always been wanting. But, says your mom and dad, you can also put it in your piggy bank and save it for your education or for a down payment on a house for when you are older. What do you think you would do? You would probably want to spend it right now, wouldn't you? That's human nature. I know that when I was a young child, that's probably what I would have done. Owning your own house or going to college or university is still so far away. Who knows, maybe then that money isn't worth all that much anymore. Typically, when you are very young, you don't look all that far ahead. When you're older, then you realize the value of education and the value of owning property. But don't think that we as adults are much different. We too are interested, first of all, in the present and in making ourselves most comfortable for the moment. Typically, we want to enjoy our riches now. 
Oh, sure, we try to save and provide for the future, but our focus is more on the here and now. One of the hardest things for all of us is to look upon, is to look beyond the present. We all tend to have a limited perspective on things. And that's also what we are like with regard to our eternal riches. And that's what Lord's Day 7 is all about. This Lord's Day also puts us before a choice. Twice we read the word accept. Answer 20 says that when you have a true faith, you accept all the benefits of Christ. And answer 21 says that true faith is accepting everything as true that God has revealed to us in his word. The Lord God also puts us before a choice. You either accept what he gives you or you do not. You can either only accept those benefits if you have a broader perspective with a view to the future without getting bogged down in the present. That's what I will preach to you about this afternoon. The theme is as follows. A true believer seeks to acquire eternal riches. He does this in the first place individually, in the second place personally, and in the third place without payment. Lord's Day 7 speaks about faith. Faith is a gift. It's a gift from God. When little Jared Vanderveen grows up, he will be brought up in the faith because that's what the parents have just promised. They're going to tell him all about the Lord Jesus and about God, who he is, what he does, and how he has created all things, and how he takes care of his children. He will most likely go to a Christian school where those teachings are reinforced, and he will go to catechism class when he is old enough, and his parents will take him to church where he will hear the gospel proclaimed and where he will learn to participate in the worship services by reading along and by singing and by giving alms. And so many people will be involved in his life to bring him to faith. But there is one thing that no person can do for him. Not his parents, not the teachers, not the elders, not the minister. And that is to give him faith. He has to make his faith his own. No one can believe for him and make him a child of God. For you see his parents, his teachers, the minister and the elder, they are only instruments of God to teach him what the benefits are of being a child of God. All they can do is present these things to them. He has to also make them his own. That's the way it is for all of us. Each one of us has to accept Christ and all his benefits. Do we also do that? Think about it. Suppose your mother, your wife, wants you to go to the grocery store. And she tells you to make a list of all the groceries. She tells you exactly what items you have to write down. And she will tell you also where in the store you can find those items. And then you write it all down. And you go to the store and you find each item exactly where your wife, your mother told you you can find it. And then you go back home and you tell her, I found everything exactly where you told me they were. And I've checked them all off and wrote them down and wrote down the price for each item. And it's going to cost you $76.25. Now, what do you think she's going to say? 
She would ask you, where are the groceries then? How come you only went there to look? Of course, this sounds a little absurd. It's not likely that someone would be stupid enough to do something like that. Only someone who is not right in his mind would only go to the grocery store to look. However, we do have those kinds of shoppers in the church. Actually, we're all somewhat guilty of that. We're all a little bit out of our minds. Some of us are totally out of our minds. For we too have been given a grocery list. We have been given the 12 articles of faith. And these 12 articles give us a summary of all the benefits of Christ. And the Lord God wants us to make these things our own. He wants us to appropriate them, to buy them. He does not want us to leave them on the shelves of his store. And yet, that's what often happens. We read, I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. And we say, that's true, for that's what it says in Genesis 1. Check mark. And I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Yes, that's also what the Bible tells me. The Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins. Another check mark. And so we go and go down the list and put a check mark behind each item. Every Sunday afternoon, we either listen to the 12 articles, we cite it, or we sing them ourselves, as we did this afternoon. But how does that now benefit us? Well, it doesn't benefit us if we do not also appropriate them. It doesn't do you any good either, for example, when you are hungry and you know that there is food in the store. That knowledge as such doesn't help you any. Such knowledge will only help you if you also go to the store and buy the food. The same thing is true with the forgiveness of sins. You know that you can receive that through your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if you don't go to him and make it your own, then such knowledge doesn't do you any good. The parable that the Lord Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus had especially the Pharisees in mind. For if you look through the preceding chapters, then you will notice that he is interacting mostly with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The Pharisees were the elite of society. They were not only prominent members of the church, they were also prominent members of society. The Pharisees loved money and were generally rich men. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were also very knowledgeable men. They were well-educated, especially in the scriptures. If you wanted to know something about the Bible, then you would go to them. And they could tell you all kinds of things. For example, they could tell you about the function of the temple and what takes place in there. And they could quote you chapter and verse concerning all the laws of cleansing and of sacrifice. And they knew exactly what was in the Ten Commandments and then some. But just like the rich man in the parable, they did not appropriate that knowledge. They didn't make it their own. They didn't buy it for themselves. In other words, they didn't live out of that knowledge. And so all that knowledge didn't do them any good. Do you know why? Well, they didn't want to pay the price. They were focused on the here and now. And therefore, they were gathering up riches for themselves. They were so busy concentrating on themselves and their own righteousness that they couldn't see past their own noses. They were blind and deaf. They were focused on the here and now. 
and did not have a spiritual or eternal perspective. For that reason, they were also blind to that poor man, Lazarus. They didn't even notice him. They were too busy with their own important lives. Answer 20 does not beat around the bush in that regard. It says that only those are saved who by a true faith are drafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. The emphasis here is on being grafted in and on accepting. Knowledge is not mentioned in this connection because that's not what comes first. Not that knowledge isn't important, of course it is. But it is mentioned not first but later. It is mentioned, for example, in the following answer, for it says there that true faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept us through all that God has revealed to us in his word. But then it also states that at the same time it is a firm confidence. It is not just a matter of the head, it's also a matter of the heart. There are lots of people who believe that God exists and that the Bible is true, but that's not enough. Even the devil believes that. But that knowledge only condemns him. And so you may be able to quote extensively from the Bible and from the confession and even write learned theses about all kinds of theological issues, but it doesn't do you any good if you have not made that knowledge your own, if you don't live out of that knowledge. You have to appropriate it. You have to make a choice. Do I want to lay out earthly treasures for myself now, or do I want to lay out heavenly treasures for myself? Do I want to give in to the desires of the flesh, contrary to God's word, or do I want to live in accordance with the promises and the demands that God has made to me in his covenant? How will you choose? It's a personal question. We're dealing with the second point. It was also a personal question for Joshua. He made his choice publicly known. He said to the Israelites in Joshua 24 verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are living. But he made his own personal choice. He said to all of them, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. These words were spoken within the covenant community. For the Israelites at that time, they were all gathered together there at the foot of the mountain at Shechem as they reflected on their blessings after they had entered the promised land. Now they live in that promised land in Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. But first things first. They have to continue to have their priorities right. God has to be number one in their lives, and then the rest will come along. As the Lord Jesus said in the Sermon of the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be yours as well. The Catechism also makes it personal. For we confess there that God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation, not only to others, but also to me. So it's a personal thing. Those are God's wonderful gifts for you and for me. You cannot leave these things on the shelf. You have to take them home and make them your own. Here in this church, heavenly treasures are handed out by the Holy Spirit. The minister is only an instrument. 
And that's what the preaching is all about. It reminds you of the wonderful treasures that God has acquired for you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to be reminded of those treasures time and again. That's why you have to be regularly under the preaching. Don't skip church services. For here we are told about the gospel, about the good news of salvation, and about all the wonderful benefits that go along with it. Sometimes we have difficulties with our faith, don't we? We have our many questions. For everything is not explained in the Bible, at least not to our liking. We have a hard time to see how everything fits together. Yet we summarize our faith as a sure knowledge and a firm confidence. That's what it says right here in the Catechism. But such knowledge and firm confidence isn't always there, is it? However, that's not all that you find in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 7. We're told there about the gospel, about the good news of salvation. Question 22 asks, what then must a Christian believe? And the answer is, all that is promised us in the gospel. Mentions the promises of the gospel. The word gospel means good news. God's word is gospel from beginning to end. It is the good news of salvation. This afternoon, we once again heard the promises of God proclaimed to a little child, to Jared. The Lord God promised him that God the Father establishes an eternal covenant of grace with him. He promises to provide him with all good and avert all evil or turn it to his benefit. And he promises him that through the Son of God he will wash him in his blood from all his sins and that he will unite him with him in his death and resurrection. And he promises him the Holy Spirit who will dwell in his heart to make him a member of Christ. What wonderful news. It is those things that have to be laid out to him as he grows up time and again. And it is those things that we must think about as we ourselves lead our daily lives. Those are the promises of God that God also made to you and to me at the time of our baptism. If we think about how wonderful these gifts are, then we will also want to appropriate them. And that is why we have to serve God with joy. We have to be elated. Such joy must also be infectious. Little Jared must be able to see from his parents how joyful they are that they are children of God and that their sins are forgiven them and that the Lord has given them the promise of eternal life. But he shouldn't just be told about them. He should also be shown what that means from the way that his parents conduct themselves. His parents should show from the way they live their lives that they are truly thankful and joyful for God's gifts. For they have received them free of charge even. That brings us to our third point. In answer 21, we find one of the most beautiful statements you will ever find anywhere in the whole world. It states that all these gifts of God are granted to you and to me, and here it comes, out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. Isn't that absolutely mind-boggling? When we go to the store of God, then we don't have to hand anything over. We don't have to open up our wallets. We don't have to come with any cash or with a credit card or anything else we might have to offer. No, we can go there with empty hands. As a matter of fact, we have to go there with empty hands. 
for we may not even think that we can acquire any, any of these wonderful benefits that are on the shelf of God's door with anything that we have of ourselves. No, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the one who filled up God's store with inexhaustible treasures and gifts. He has put those treasures and gifts there for me and for you to enjoy. And therefore, you can't just leave them on the shelf. That rich man and his five brothers, they knew exactly what God had to offer. For they had Moses and the prophets. In other words, they had all of God's word which at that time consisted of the Old Testament. They knew all the promises that are contained therein, but they only knew about these things. They weren't excited about them. They had never appropriated them. They were too busy with their own personal petty lives. They were too busy enriching themselves. And that is why Abraham says to the rich man in hell, that if his brothers didn't believe Moses and the prophets, that then they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Isn't that the truth? We see that all the time. People can be shown the absolute truth of a matter, and yet they will refuse to act in accordance with that truth or even acknowledge that it is the truth. If you want to believe, for example, that a baby in the womb is not a human being, then nobody can change your mind. You can come with all kinds of proof. You can show them that such a baby has its own heartbeat and that it has its own blood type. You can show them that such a baby can cry in a womb and suck its thumb. You can show them all kinds of things. But if they don't believe, they won't. That is because if they believe such things, that, then that has consequences for them. And they don't want to deal with those consequences. And the same thing is true about this creation. It's a most wonderful and intricate creation. It is impossible that it could have come about by an accumulation of incidents. You can demonstrate that truth in many ways. But if you don't want to believe, then you won't. That's all there is to it. And the same thing is true of those five brothers and the rich man. They are much too focused on themselves to put that knowledge into action. They don't want to make the sacrifice to act in accordance with that knowledge because that would mean that they would have to change everything. They would have to totally change their focus and live out of grace. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, young people, when you're too focused on yourself, on your own well-being, then you miss out on a lot of things and especially on heavenly treasures. And then for you, for example, to give anything to the church financially or to anyone else, well, that to you then would be a burden. For you consider your own riches to be your own. You don't see that your material and your spiritual blessings are a gift from God and that you have to share those things with others. You have your priorities wrong. Salvation is free of charge. It's yours free for the taking. But you can only receive them if you have faith. You can only receive them if you have a broader perspective. You can only see them with the eyes of faith. For God makes wonderful promises, doesn't he? And some of these promises you can receive already in this life, and that's wonderful. But most people also receive these things, these things and they receive them to their condemnation. They don't even realize the gifts that God gives them and that they come from God. But the bulk of those promises, 
you will receive later. When you can experience the full blessedness of God's gift in the life hereafter. And you look forward to these gifts because you are tasting them now already. And you also know that God's promises are sure. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's true faith. Believe and experience God's wonderful gifts now and into eternity. Don't leave them on the shelf. Amen.